Aloha and welcome to another episode of the English 2.0 podcast, the only podcast for ambitious English students like yourself. And we turn you into fluent English speakers, global communicators, and real-world English 2.0 performers. Thank you so much for listening and downloading today. My name is Al, and today we've got a great episode for you. It is Movie Study, episode number five. And we've got a great clip here for you today. But before we get into it, please share this episode with your friends, your classmates, or your colleagues. And we would appreciate that. You can do that by clicking on your Facebook, your Twitter, Instagram, however you want to share it out, please do so and we would appreciate it. Today, in this lesson of movie study, we're going to take a look at a scene from the hit movie Ocean's Eleven. Now, Ocean's Eleven came out in 2001, so about 20 years ago. Wow, can't believe that. And has a multitude of famous stars like uh, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, and Matt Damon, just to name a few. Now, pretty sure a lot of you have seen this. Um, if not, it's a great movie, I think. It's a, it's a fun movie. And in this, we'll call it a comedic crime thriller. Uh, Daniel Ocean, that's the main character, he's played by George Clooney, forms a team of 11 members, therefore Ocean's Eleven, to rob three Las Vegas casinos at the same time. Now, I wonder if any of you have ever been to Las Vegas or have, you know, if you've ever been to the casinos there. Well, if you have, you know how strong Las Vegas security is and you know how kind of an impossible task that would be. But it is a lot of fun. And if you haven't seen it, then check it out. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. If you have seen it, great, because, you know, what I preach here or what I talk about a lot on movie study is, you know, you want to use something that you're familiar with. So you don't have to really think of the story. Just focus on the particular scene and then you can focus on the details, some of the nuances, you know, some of the things that we go over in our uh, movie study here. So we're, again, in this series, the movie study series, we're not talking about understanding the story. We're talking about the finer points of the clip, of the scene. And this is what I call context study not comprehension study. Okay, so this is context study. We want to really dive in deep, okay? Because that's the level we're dealing with with my excellent students out there. So now, as you know, uh, we have a series of seven steps that we go through when we do our movie study. And so, you know, what can we learn from Ocean's Eleven? Well, we can learn a lot. Now, the first thing is, of course... Uh, when if, if you follow along, you know, I have a uh, episode of How to Study with Movies, which outlines my process. If you've watched or listened to some of the other movie study episodes, you know, uh, you're familiar with the steps. Of course, I'll go through them here if you're not familiar. The first step is to choose the movie. Now, I chose Ocean's Eleven because it is fairly well known and the story is quite simple. You know, as we mentioned, they just they're <laughs> set out a plan to rob these casinos and you know in this movie there are a ton of characters and fun scenes with good dialogue in this movie which is good overall but it was hard to choose just one scene and that's what the next step is okay but you know the first step is to choose the movie which of course i've done already but if you are studying on your own then again you want to follow this guideline uh this checklist 
framework. I guess these are all the same words for the same thing. And, you know, again, I like to recommend movies that are, again, you know, you want to be a little bit challenging, but not too challenging. And you don't want it to be too easy as well. A little bit above your level. All right. And Ocean's Eleven is, again, it takes, you know, it takes place in the real world. It's not like a science fiction uh, Star Wars or anything like that. So it's, you know, the vocabulary is going to be limited to, you know, our kind of everyday real world life. So that's, that's also a plus when it comes to utilizing these scenes for our everyday conversations. And that's the goal here. All right. Now, step two is to choose a scene. So there's a lot of them out there on YouTube. Um, I ended up choosing a funny scene between the character named Frank Catton. He's played by the actor Bernie Mac. And a used car salesman named Billy Tim Denham, played by an actor named Joe Ladue, who's not as famous, but uh, great in this scene. So in this scene, Frank is trying to buy a couple of vans for the team to use in their planned heist. Heist is another word for robbery. The scene is only a minute and a half long, so I'm only actually going to use the first part of the dialogue, so it's going to be really short, but that's all we really need. Okay, And if you want, please watch the the rest of the scene um, even after our study section here. All right, let's move on to step number three. Again, this is an optional step, and this is dictation, where before you look at the script itself, you want to try writing it down. Write down what you hear and see if you were able to dictate it correctly or see, you know, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't, you don't have to treat it as a test. Just see where your dictation was different than the actual script and then you can analyze it. Again, it's not a test, so you don't, don't judge yourself uh, if you didn't get all of them correct. That's not the point. The point is to note where you understood things uh, properly and where you need to correct your listening for the future all right so again i highly recommend that you do this before looking at the script and i have the youtube clip here we'll we'll listen to it right here on the podcast but you also want to check it out with the visual as well on youtube so i'll link that in the show notes or i'll put it right in and then again dictate it before you listen if you can and let's listen Well, I am sorry, but uh, 18.5 apiece is the best offer that I can make. Well, I understand. And there are some great-looking vans you got out there. Uh, yes, sir. Top of the line. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for your time, Mr. Um... Oh, uh, Denham. Billy Tim Denham. Yes. Denham like a gene. Yes, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> just like the gene. <laughs> All right. So I hope you were able to get that. It wasn't terribly long and hopefully not too hard so let's move on to step four and that is look up any new vocabulary from the dialogue again after you've now seen the script you can go back and really dissect it and find out what was new for you or you know things that you weren't sure of now in this short clip um, I only have three things of note that I think would be new for most students out there. Uh, the first phrase is 18.5. Okay, so as you heard 
Billy say has the price of the vans, 18.5. Now, what does he mean by 18.5? 18.5 is a very short way, or shorthand is another way we say that, for saying 18,500. Okay, so what he, what he means by it when he says 18.5 is $18,500. Okay, so 18 stands for the thousand, and then five is the 500. So he, just for short, he says 18.5. Now, the second phrase is a piece. So again, that is all one word. And a piece means simply each. So if you want to use, if you're you know, pointing out a couple of things and you're separating them, then you can use a piece. So if you're, for example, if you're giving, I don't know, if you're giving candy to, to someone or pieces of candy or chocolate or something, um, you can say, I'll give you two a piece. So you give two to each person. Just an <laughs> example off the top of my head. Now, the third phrase here of, in the vocabulary section is top of the line. So you heard Billy say they're top of the line uh, vans. So top of the line is just a phrase that means they are the best of the best the best quality of that line of products. Okay, so the top of the line, very common standard phrase. Okay, so those are really the, the three things that I would note for the vocabulary today. Not a lot, so that's, that's fine. Let's move on to step number five. Okay, so now we're going to get into the meatier parts of this. And so step number five is to find the common sentence patterns. Okay, so these are the, the patterns and what I call the keys to the sentence structures that are really valuable because you can use them in many different scenarios. And so this is a really important skill if you can develop it. And that's why I spend a lot of time here is to help you identify these sentence patterns so that you can practice with them and then also be able to find them on your own. Now, the first sentence I'd like to focus on today comes from the salesman, uh, Billy Tim Denham, as you heard in the clip. And he says, his, his first line, I am sorry, but 18.5 apiece is the best offer that I can make. All right. So as you notice, the scene begins actually in the middle of their negotiation, again, between the car salesman, Billy, and a potential customer, Frank. So when we join the conversation, the salesman is making his final offer. So he states the price, says it's the final offer, and then also softens his statement at the beginning. Okay, so let's break it down to the three parts, those three parts. So the price is, when he says the price, it's eighteen five apiece. Okay, and to state the final offer, he says, is the best offer that I can make. And then finally, he uses the softener, you know, at the beginning, I am sorry, but blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that's the softener. Okay, we'll talk about all these as we go through. Now, you can use this pattern to state your final offer, suggestion, or even your capability to someone. Okay, and this is the sentence key. It has three blanks. Okay, the first blank at the beginning is the best blank that I can blank. Okay, so again, one more time. Blank is the best blank that I can blank. Okay? So in the first blank, 
you will fill it in with the main subject that you are talking about. In the second blank, you are describing that category of the subject. And finally, in the third blank, you are filling in the action. All right, so let's do some examples so you can see what I mean. So again, the first blank is the subject. So in the, my first example sentence, we'll use the subject of this painting. Okay, and then what is the category of the painting? Well, is the best piece of art. Okay, so it's a piece of art. And then what is the action? Okay, so in this case, what I put is that I can do. Okay. Now, putting it all together, the sentence is, this painting is the best piece of art that I can do. Okay. Let's do another example. Machu Picchu is the best place to visit that I can suggest. All right. Next. Harry Potter is the longest book that I can read. And finally, let's do one more. 15 minutes is the most time that I can give you. All right. So as you can see, in the last two examples, we changed the pattern slightly. We just changed the best to the most and the something EST, which, again, these are all superlative forms. So as long as you use the superlative form there, that's fine. No problem. Okay. So you can kind of, uh, you know, see what I mean by those blanks in that sentence, and you can make your own again to describe a final offer, suggestion, or capability of yours. Now, if you want to soften your sentence, just add "I'm sorry, but" to the beginning. So you may want to do this if you feel that the other person may be uncomfortable or may not be satisfied with your offer or suggestion. So let's do some examples from our originals. Let's use the painting example. So here we go. I'm sorry, but this painting is the best piece of art that I can do. Okay? So perhaps you might use this uh, with your, you know, your art teacher or someone who has a high competence in art and someone you, know, you might feel will have a, maybe a negative view of, <laughs> of your artwork. So you're, you know, you're kind of describing your top uh, level of capability there. Let's use another example about the time, okay? I'm sorry, but 15 minutes is the most time that I can give you. Okay, so maybe you would use this with someone who wants to talk to you for a longer period of time or maybe have a meeting with you for a long period and you just don't have that much time to give them, okay? So you want to soften that because they'll probably be disappointed that you can only give them a little bit of time, but um, that's all you have. So again, that's maybe one case where you'd want to use a softener i'm sorry but all right so can you make your own sentences give your own examples again with blank is the best blank that i can blank okay or if you want to look at it as a is the best b that i can see okay and fill out your own examples in the comment section below i'd like to see what you can come up with and i'd be happy to correct them on the page right there if you want to submit them be sure to put them in the comments below on the blog post all right now let's move on to step six so we have two more steps step six is to note how a character responds to a question or a comment so let's use the same sentence for our example and look at the response from frank the customer in this interaction again the original statement from billy is i'm i am sorry but 18.5 apiece is the best offer that I can make. 
So how does Frank respond? Well, he says this. Well, I understand. They are some great-looking vans he got there. Okay, so that's his response. Now, in this type of negotiation, you know, buying a car or a van, both people want to close the deal. Okay, they want, you know, of course, the, the customer wants to buy at the lowest price possible, and the salesman wants to sell at the highest price possible. After the salesman, Billy, makes his final offer, Frank must decide if he will buy or not. So... In this dialogue, he uses empathy to hesitate and then show agreement. As you continue the video clip, you know, beyond the length of our study here, if you finish out the clip, the rest of the, the probably the next minute of the clip, you can see that Frank has a plan to get a lower price. It's actually quite a funny scene. But this must start by showing that you are on the same side and empathy is what allows this to happen. All right. So... The first part, to show empathy and, again, hesitation, Frank says, well, I understand. Okay, so very simple, yet effective. Okay, everybody, I'm sure, is familiar with that short phrase, but it's, again, a good phrase to show empathy, understanding, while kind of hesitation to give you a little more time. Next, to show agreement, he says, they are some great-looking vans you got there. So this is a compliment given to Billy to show that they're on the same side and also to make Billy feel good. This is important as Frank goes on to the next step of his plan in the negotiation. And then he can watch the rest of the clip to see what happens. So let's try this on your own. Okay, so in order to show empathy while gaining a little time to think or strategize, you can use these phrases. Well, I understand. Yes, I see your point. I see, that's a fair point. Okay, so all of those you can use to show empathy and understanding. And then you gain a little time before your next sentence or question or statement. All right, so let's move on to the next part, which is to emphasize, empathize while giving a compliment. And you can try these phrases. Okay, so first we'll use what Frank used. That's a great looking blank you got there okay and the second pattern will be oh i like your blank it's really blank okay here are some examples okay using the first example that's a great looking watch you got there okay and in the second example i like your tie it's really cool Okay, maybe referring to someone's necktie <laughs> that they're wearing. Again, it could be anything. Uh, now, just one note is when you give a compliment, just be careful not to be too personal as it, be it can become a little awkward. And so you don't want it to be too personal, but just make sure it's you know reasonable. Make sure it is something that someone would feel good to hear. All right, now. Let's move on to the final step, which is to note natural expressions. All right. So this dialogue has an expression. Actually, it's more like a speaking strategy that you will identify quite frequently once we point it out here. And maybe you're familiar with it already. So we're going to look at Frank's line toward the end of the dialogue. And, you know, it's as it seems their conversation is about to end... Frank extends his hand to, to, to shake Billy's hand. 
And he says this. Okay, well, thank you for your time, Mr. Um... Okay, so the first part, thank you for blank, thank you for X. Thank you for your time. It is a very standard phrase, most of you know, I'm sure. We're going to look at what follows that, okay? So after that, Frank continues with Mr. Um... Okay, so I'm sure you've you've seen that or heard that before, or if you haven't, you'll be you know you'll be able to pick it out now. You'll you'll start to hear it more often because this is a very natural way to find out someone's name if you haven't learned it yet, or you might have forgotten from earlier. So you want to especially pay attention to the pacing and intonation here. Okay, so. If you listen carefully, you can hear that Frank acts like he's going to say Billy's family name after he says Mr. But instead, he uses the hesitation sound of um. <laughs> okay, so now when he does this, the other person, Billy in this case, fills in his own last name. So why does, why does Billy do that? Well, he understands that this is a signal from Frank that he doesn't know Billy's name in that instance, in that moment. So he tells him to not embarrass Frank. Okay, so imagine if Billy had remained silent instead of responding with his name. Frank would have been, you know, have experienced a really awkward and embarrassing moment. So you can use this strategy to find out someone's name. So if you're, you know, at a party or if you're meeting someone for the first time, maybe you, you know, um, you've talked for a little while, you just never exchange names. And then you can say, well, it's nice to meet you, Mr. Um, or if it's a female, Mrs. Um, or Miss. Um, <laughs> all right. Or if you're on the other side, if you if someone else directs that phrase towards you, you can be sure to fill in your own name for them. OK, so that can be a very valuable phrase or we'll call it a speaking strategy here as you progress in your fluency all right so that's going to wrap up today's movie study episode remember you know studying movies is fun it can be very useful if you have an effective method okay so remember to focus on one scene at a time try to limit the characters to two or three and then follow these seven steps when you want to study English from movies, and I'm sure you will learn something that you can use right away. Be sure to check out some of our other movie study lessons. Also, if you'd like to submit a movie or a specific scene for my opinion or a potential lesson plan, please put it in the comments below. Or if you have a question about this scene, put it in the comments and I will try to respond as soon as I can. Thank you so much for listening and studying with me, learning from movies is a lot of fun. I love movies. I'm sure a lot of you do too. So please share this with a friend, a classmate, or a colleague. And I will catch you on the next episode of the English 2.0 podcast. Remember to always level up your learning and level up your life.